0: Hello listeners, Brendan here with a real quick announcement. On this episode, we talk about why we had to stop running the game, the player's thoughts and feelings on the game's system and story, some potential paths for the game to have taken, and even talk a bit about future plans for our channel. I'll make sure to put that last one in the episode notes. The opening music for this episode is Busch and the closing music is Behind the Sword, both by Alexander Nakarada. Enjoy this little candid episode here.
1: Welcome. So, we're here to do a bit of a wrap-up slash questionnaire for the Shadow of the Demon Lord game. Got everybody here. Uh, Before we get too into that, I kind of want to make a statement uh, to the listeners, kind of an explanation. Um, I've mentioned it a time or two on other podcasts that we do. Um, My life got very, very uh, intense all of a sudden. I applied to and got accepted to nursing school. And uh, going through a move. So life has been pretty hectic the past couple months. Along with a slowly declining mental state. uh, Due to, you know, the world being infected with a virus that's slowly and slowly getting worse. Um, But I want to give you guys, my players, as well as you, the viewers, a little bit of uh, closure, so to speak. Uh, A look behind the curtain. Some more information about the game that we will probably never go back to. I want to start the uh, start the whole shebang off with asking my players how we like the system. We're all new to it going in, and uh, I want to know what how everyone thought I did, how your fellow players did, how we all did.
0: Well, uh, starting off, uh, I would like to say that um, as far as the system went, I thought that it was really easy to pick up and very fun. Uh, it was it was extraordinarily simple. Like everything made sense. I think that the. The most complex thing that went into that game was like picking classes and leveling up, which was like a whole chart, which was very intimidating. But like when you actually sat down for play, it was it was incredibly like simple, like a whole ten minutes of effort.
2: Yeah, I gotta agree with uh, Brendan there that it was really easy to pick up. It looks complicated if you're just looking at the book to start with, but it is really intuitive actually
1: yeah I told uh, I told the players when we first started out like this book is a lot there's a lot of options one level at a time at level zero you choose what race you are and nothing else at level one you choose what class you are and nothing else and it's all a step like that the uh, the creator of the game actually made a statement on a podcast uh, Rob Schwab I believe his name is that he he made this game um, with the intent that to do two things. Um, one, be able to GM it with the players having, it, they can just roll up characters like right on the spot. And that he could GM it while very drunk. And I, I I've never done the latter. So it's nod not wink, wink. But, uh, it, yeah, it's, it was pretty easy to pick up, I think. Do you have any thoughts on it, Christina?
3: The nice thing about it is you basically get to pick your quote unquote race or what you are, whether it's a goblin, or some kind of construct, or something, and then as you level, it gives you options, so you just kind of choose the options within, and then when you hit certain points, you, not multi-class, but you go, you can, you have so many options to pick from, You, you have your starting four, and then it goes into, I think, like, 12, and then it hits, like, 25, or something like that, but you don't have to stay the same, you can mix a lot of different things in there, and every time you level, you get to pick something out of that, or you can pick some stuff from what you started with. And it's very customizable. You could have somebody be quite literally the same thing, be a rogue, be insert this, insert this, but they can pick different abilities or have different, like I said, quote unquote races and still be different and
1: useful. Totally. And there's like, there's options that we never even really looked at. Like you're allowed to like, just pick two expert paths. You don't even have to take a master if you really like two of the expert paths. You can be a you can be a fighter, assassin, priest, if you want.
4: I also like that level of customization that uh the path system gives you. It's like it's like multi-classing, but because I chose to become a druid with my next level, it doesn't make my levels of warrior like any less.
1: No, not at all. And druid had a lot of utility
4: to it.
2: Like I love the uh, priest class I kind of went with. Uh, you had a lot of versatility from being able to defend really well or attack really well, or if you want to do a mix of both you could. Yeah,
1: I'm a personal GM opinion. Uh, priest is the best starting class in the game. It's just, I think it's the, I think it's S tier. Prayer is so good. Just for prayer. is the only reason they went out. Yeah, that was a really good ability. It's just free, consistent aid every turn, and you can use it for whatever you need it.
2: Sadly, I did not utilize that as much as I should have. No, you
0: did not. Nope. Whereas on the opposite side of the spectrum, uh, Christina was, uh, if I recall, practically asking every single time that she could use her rogue tricks.
3: I didn't know when it was going to be applicable.
1: I also really, really like how uh, when you start the game... Rogues are the best, tankiest fighters in the game. They're they're better objectively than fighters.
0: It's very weird.
1: It's very funny. Rogues, I've actually, I, I'm pretty picky about rogues. I've still, to this day, never played a rogue in any tabletop RPG as a class. I like this rogue the best. The design feels fluid, and they front load a lot of power into it. Like, at level one, or level two, hey, if you roll high enough, you can just go twice in a row.
3: So funnily enough, unless you count um, the nightcast I played in the game that never got put on the podcast, but we did the the um, let the good dice roll stuff about. I've actually never played a rogue in a tabletop except for a very brief one shot that a friend of mine ran. Uh, somebody always picks rogue, so I've never actually been able to play it
1: the power gamer at the table always picks rogue and no one yeah. wants to play the same thing as anyone else. I don't care what any, yes, I know you can play whatever you want. You can have a team full of rogues, but no one wants to do that.
3: Well, what had happened with it was it was a, I think it was 1920s D and D one shot that a friend ran while you're we in a cabin in a woods over the weekend. And it was one of those, okay, these are the names of people. You guys get to decide. You don't get to know anything about these characters other than their names that are in this uh, folder. So we just went off the names by how we were addressed, and I ended up getting the Investigation Rogue, I think, or like the Inquisitor Rogue or something like that. So it was the first time I ever got to play a rogue in a tabletop setting besides this one that I can remember.
1: Oh, was it one of those uh, your character sheets hidden from you type deals?
3: It was... You get your... Your, your sheets which are in a, a folder those are your profiles and then you're going to get to look at it when we start game but you don't we didn't plan the characters the characters were pre-built for us and we didn't know what we were playing until we opened those folders
1: yeah I had a game like that one time it was a one shot but the GM was basically like how we chose to solve problems he was like hey there's a door in front of you it's closed what would you like to do uh, can I just open the door no the door won't open okay I kicked the door down well you're a barbarian Um, I picked a lock Yep, You're a rogue. Uh, and he had stuff like that for like, that's how you decide what your character was. And it got built out like that. It was pretty neat. Anyway, back to our game.
0: Oh, real quick. As, as a statement of, uh, everyone else picks the rogue before I can fuck it, do it. If you want to play it, fucking do it. That is my professional GM opinion. There was that one fucking there was those two sessions of Pathfinder that we had with Cody where that me and Benji were both playing rogues and I just went, "Fuck it. I'm going to I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it as hard as I can."
4: And they were both rogues and they were both completely different classes because rogue's versatility is stupid.
0: Oh, that's my GM opinion as well.
1: But my Tyler opinion is, oh, well, well, if I do that, then I'm going to be detracting from someone else's fun. I, I, I'll just do something different. I want to let them have the fun. And I will. I hate that I do that, but I
4: always do that. I feel that. All right, next time I run a game, the only class you're allowed to be is a rogue or some sort of variation. But then, I, but then I feel pigeonholed and I won't want to
0: do it anymore.
3: <laughs> Oops, all monks game.
0: Boom. No. <laughs> Oops, all paladins, but you're all paladins of a different god. They still all
4: play the same. <laughs> tell everybody that it's all monks or that Tyler picks a rogue out of spite, but secretly tell everyone else that it's all rogues. Boom.
3: Well, the funny right. thing is there's there's a lot of different things for monks. Like there's a lot of different things you can do with, like classes in general. But let's, anyways, uh,
1: back to this. Yeah, let's let's reconvene a little bit. I want to open the floor to the players. This this is a session, uh, this is a story I made to you guys and drop
4: the ball on. Uh, what questions do you have for me or for each other? I, I think the biggest question on everybody's mind is, "What was up, Traveler's butt?" <laughs> Say what? The the weird little uh
0: thing that went up me. Oh, okay. So that's that was actually a parasite.
1: Um, it was a it was a um magical item that I found. I forget what it was called, but basically, um, you only had it for like two days. So so it wasn't going to last very long. Basically, when that uh, comes into contact with someone, you make a strength roll against the person, and if they fail it, it enters an orifice, like a tapeworm. Uh, But you can summon the tapeworm by shooting, like, tapeworm whips out of your wrists as magical weapons that have range and really good attack stats. But after a number, after a period of time, uh, you just poop it out. Like a tapeworm. Huh.
3: So this wasn't a thing that he was just going to be stuck with forever that we were going to have to deal with later? Oh,
1: no. He actually rolled a 2 out of 10. Uh, He had it for literally the day of the next session, and then I was going to take it from him. Oh, wow. Because it's two days, but you guys happened to end on a part that was going to be a bit of a forward progression in time. But I was still going to give you a day of
4: it.
3: Okay, my big question, which is a very broad one. How did we get the sun back?
1: Oh, that's a spicy question that I can't answer without answering every other question I'm sure I'm going to get. Uh, to TLDR, uh, beat the final boss. The matron? Uh, the matron was not the final boss.
3: Then who was the final boss?
1: We'll get back to that. Let's answer some other questions first before I get to the spicy shit.
0: Okay, so my question. So I got a booger from a small child and was told to deliver uh, said booger to his imaginary friend. Could I have actually done that in-game, Tyler?
1: I had already written that character up.
0: Holy shit. Uh,
1: what did I call? I think I called the best fr- the imaginary friend John. Yeah. Uh, John was a gigantic, bear-sized owl spirit uh, that you could find and give the booger to, and he would have done one full favor from you as a magical creature who is, has the intelligence of a super-intelligent owl.
0: That would have been absolutely amazing. And he was wont to talk like a gentleman,
1: whose so, only whose only friend was a small boy who really liked boogers.
2: So my big question: What was going on with Greg? What was going on with Greg? Yeah, travelers' yeah, homeless buddy. Uh, no, sir, that was Barnes. Oh, I'm sorry, Barnes, not Greg. It's been a while.
3: Greg was a uh, traveler's people name.
1: Um, oh, right. to to put it. In a way that's not too confusing, because Barnus was a very important character of the story. Um, he was someone who had been left cursed and broken by the last conflict, the last war, and was constantly fighting to to uh, reclaim his life. And that had several trials and tribulations and, and steps. Uh, most of a, a lot of you were a part of.
3: Was he... Because he had these visions. We, we've had... Two instances where he's just kind of gone glassy-eyed and had prophetic vision. So was he like a prophet, essentially?
1: Um, sort of. Um, He was basically the, the matron, as I called her, was present in the first conflict. Uh, she would have even been like the leading driving force of the first conflict. And he was a part of that. Him and his son were both a part of that conflict. And he, his son was lost. Uh, and he was broken. Uh, parts of him were changed, and things were put back in the wrong spots in his soul, and uh, it, it took certain things happening for him to uh, awake from that sleep, so to speak, we emerge merge from that into a sort of clarity, and it was sort of a driving force towards combating the matron. Please I'm just
2: trying to think of a good question. I have an answer for you, Joe that you might like to know. Okay. I'm not sure what, the, what the answer would be to what question. Do you
1: want to know your, uh, your quest?
2: Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Was there anything actually behind that?
1: Oh yes. Oh yes. Um, so you had the crossbow or you had the bolt, right?
2: Yeah. That's the, what I gave you. Bolt.
1: Um, I was going, there was going to be a crossbow that you, you could have the ability to find, um, around the time that you would be fighting the matron. And it would do absolutely nothing for your fight. It would be entirely useless against her. Because sure. the, the prophecy you had been given was to find to find this weapon to stop some great affront to humanity. And she wasn't that affront. It would be a thing where you try to use it and say, oh, this is just junk. But later on, if you had faith in it, it would be actually effective against the actual threat to your survival, your, your humanity. Uh, it was a bit of a red herring, so to speak.
2: So it wouldn't have been useful against the uh, half boss, but the main boss. Correct. Oh, that's actually really cool.
1: Or, or rather, don't. It's not just me either. If you guys have questions for each other, please feel free.
3: Maybe we should wait a second for Cody to come back.
1: That's fine. Do you want uh, while we're waiting, I have questions for you all. That okay. Works. Um, I had questions for you all. Uh, Christina, what do you think Plux' endgame game was? I know her character was kind of just like a traveling musician who wanders about and, like, finds odds and ends. Uh, Did you have some sort of in-game or direction you were going with that? Or just kind of playing as you go?
3: Honestly, I was just kind of playing as I went along. Um, I was kind of looking for something to really grasp onto as this is my goal. This is what I want her to do. And it just kind of became the general... Figure out how to get the sun back. Um, so I didn't really have anything for this. Is the grand scheme of things, or this is anything weird? I just she collected bones. She helped, tried to help people out. She was just kind of a comic relief, I guess.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cody's back now. I see. Cody, uh, do you have any question for me? Since you had, you've been so quiet.
4: Hmm. Did you plan for? our original characters to make it all the way through the 10 session campaign or where did you see us getting ourselves killed?
1: I so a bit of a insight by how I did specifically this game. I do it a little bit for all my games, but for this one, I, I used a rage meter type system. Um a lot of the combats um were they had like a fuse on them. Like for that go that ghoul fight at the end there. Um, you guys have taken a second. He, he was making like every dodge roll at the end there. And after a certain amount of times, if it got back around to his turn, there was going to be like a number of more enemies that were going to spawn. Because the, the DPS was too low. It was like an RPG mechanic, you know. Um, I don't plan... I never plan for death in any of my games. But by the same merit, this game is really mean. Especially later on. Stuff starts getting really killy. And if death happens, it would have happened. I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have, uh, I wouldn't have uh, fiated that. I wouldn't have hidden the dice roll. That would have been it, and you would have to make a new character. Um, did I hope that your characters stayed through? Yeah, I liked all your characters, um, but they weren't guaranteed.
2: In that same vein, um, if one of our characters had died, would we had to restart at level zero, or would we be allowed to go up to, or maybe a few levels below? Where the current party's at? That-
1: oh no no no! You would have been the same level. Um, and okay. also, if the party collectively was like, "Hey, we don't want to carry on without our favorite dwarf Nosack Orax. We want to go bring him back to life, GM." Okay, uh, give me a week. I'll write something up, and you would have been. You could have taken a, C- a session or two, maybe at the risk at the detriment of not getting a level to reclaim your fallen ally. Um, I'm not. I do like absolution, in, specifically in games that are heavy. Um, hey, you're dead. You're done. You can't be that guy you liked anymore. That doesn't feel very good, specifically in a game that's so... that has so much gravitas. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah.
3: That being said, did anybody else have a backup character besides me?
1: Yeah. Not I did. really. Yeah, I did. I had three. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> um,
2: apparently I'm the only one who did have a backup character. I had a plant, a loose thing of if my character died, I was probably going to end up Doing a uh, 180 instead of going Dwarf, probably a larger race. And something less serious than what no, uh, NOSAC was.
1: Oh, he- here's something that might be good to know um, as players. Have I told you guys what inspired me to make the game setting when I did? I don't think you have. Uh, Kill Switch Engaged, As Daylight Dies. Okay. That one song spawned the entire campaign. Nice.
4: But also I planned on outliving all of y'all in living in shame in the forest turning into a tree.
0: I had planned on the traveler making it all the way to the very end and just becoming like a beacon of like hope and goodness or being a completely insane man and basically taking Barnes's place. Those I were look- the two outcomes that I had in mind for traveler like at the like if we had completed the campaign.
1: Here's a question that I want to know. Uh, I'd like to go around the table and for everyone to tell me what their favorite character that I made is. The character or NPC that you feel like was the most enjoyable for yourself or just in terms of design? Just so I know for the future about uh, the feedback and all.
2: Personally, I love the head of the guard. And just how every time a traveler was trying to get join the guard, he was just like, Look, I don't really want to get your hopes down.
1: But you, I don't want you to join yeah Terrace and uh Terrace and the matron are actually like they were both inspired by a separate album that I like a lot uh and there's a lot of writing behind specifically terrace's character uh his armor had a whole backstory to it it was kind of neat stuff basically he uh he was part of a squad during the first conflict that was like 20 men strong and they charged a demon portal to like try to stop an assault on a cat on a city a big human city. And they all went in, and only he came out. Uh, And he's trapped in that armor. He cannot take it off, ever. Uh, And on the back, the armor is inscribed in, like, demonic uh, writing, Immortal. And he is unkillable. He will never, ever die. He was cursed. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. All right, so then you're saying that we had to fight him at some point, and then we were going to have to... Not at all.
1: Oh. He was actually... He's more of an anti-hero an ally he is he is very curt blunt no-nonsense ways of looking at things uh, I mean he could have been a potential obstacle if he chose a certain way of playing but he wasn't an, he wasn't a villain uh, he was more of a he's more of a constant he will always be there and he will never change he's not gonna he, he, he's lived he's, he he has lived and will live for many many years
3: okay so I liked I', I- two kind of like I liked all the characters I really technically have more than two but I'm just going to mention two um one being Bonk and the other being the mayor but I also really liked the blacksmith too
1: Bonk was my favorite character I love that character in that he was only ever a I, I I listened to a lot of music while I was making this campaign in that Bonk was only ever Necrogobblecon in my game that makes sense he was just, he. He wasn't. He was he was like he was as close to a, uh, a GM insert as I could make because he was the only ever going to be helpful. But he was this weird little uppity snippy goblin who made clothes out of like skin and people, and like was just odd. He uh, he's a favorite of mine. Um, the mayor was fun. The mayor was intended to be like the grizzled old, laid back old man who was tired of everyone's shit. You know the you know the trope.
3: Honestly, every time like you were talking about him, I just imagined Doug Demodome, but like with more of a a southern draw.
1: Like Doug Demodome combined with Wainwright Jacobs.
4: Yeah. That's about accurate.
0: I would say that uh, my favorite NPCs that you played in there were probably uh, probably gonna go with Slick, Barnus, and Klein. No, Klein, Klein was a kid, right? Klein was the kid, but net, but no, uh, Doctor Jakarta. I really like Doctor Jakarta.
1: Yeah, I had some stuff planned for that guy.
0: Kai, uh, this is this
1: might hurt your feelings a little bit, but there was no good outcome for him, um, because he was in like the depths of despair, and you guys saved him, but he was going to turn into a necromancer, like. You you made him believe in the in the will to live so much that he was going to defeat death and make everyone zombies.
0: That's fucking rad. to was yeah. a good
1: outcome to me. There was no like it was either, well, I guess my life is just suffering or like blind, intense optimism the other way. Like it's okay, I'll save everyone by killing them and reanimating them, then we'll all be alive.
2: <laughs> when
1: you do too good
2: of a job. Yeah.
1: That was the option I wanted for him anyway though. <laughs> I'm glad you guys saved him.
3: I think we all uh, were on that branch of, man, who's go- who's gonna be the person to say something or do something wrong and this doctor is just gonna off himself?
1: I kind of didn't want to have to, to, to bring that up. I was going to. like if it did, if it happened, it was going to happen, but I was really I was really rooting for that not happening because I didn't want to have to do that to the podcast. Like that as much as this is a game that's dark and grim, Suicide isn't ever something I like broaching, but it was necessary for the narrative. It wasn't going to be excessive. It was just going to be what it was, but I'm glad that that didn't happen. I will say as a GM, I'm proud of you guys for making that not happen because there were a lot of times where it was about to, and you guys ticked every box to make it not.
0: I like to believe that that's because we decided to all just be like, "Nah, guys, we gotta we gotta be as positive as possible. Overwhelming positivity will defeat this." You know
1: what the the deciding factor was? You guys going back to shop with him. If you had not, he was done.
3: You mean when we just walked him back to his shop afterwards?
1: Uh, yes, after the um after the uh, whole mission when you guys took went back after he saved Clem and all.
3: Oh, I I assumed it was because you know we told him we're gonna try we're gonna let you try and save your friend's leg instead of just hacking it off so we can keep going we're gonna try get, take the time to let you make a makeshift splint and maybe see if you can save it afterwards instead of just doing the quick easy dirty way to get us keep going
0: okay so uh, I have a question and I don't remember if this was actually already answered so why the fuck did did the sun go away? So full disclosure, I hadn't entirely
1: fleshed this out yet, but basically, uh, the the mid boss, the matron, the red herring, was like, "Do bad, McEvilson." She just wanted to like make the world bad because it was bad. But to elaborate the, that a little bit further, now that we're here, she had a lot of power. And uh, to to explain this, okay, I'm gonna be blunt. Uh, Barnes was the final boss.
3: Oh no, Brendan!
0: Oh wow! Yes, he was. I, yeah, okay, so, uh, yeah, if we had made it through there, I would have just, like, taken his place as the old town drunk who's living in a hole and just staring off into space. Like, that would have, that would have fucking destroyed me, bud. Welcome to the Thunderdome. This, you knew what this was.
2: That is an actually really good twist. I, at no point did I think Barnes was going to be the final boss, or even related towards the final boss.
1: And I dropped some hints to it. It wasn't like he was a big, bad, evil guy. Um, He lost his son, and that, like, wrecked him. That was a big deal of what made him how he was. And he was basically, like, subtly nudging you guys towards defeating the, the matron to claim that power for himself, to to reclaim his son. It was more of a I I know enough now to know that things are for the greater good. It's not just because he's being selfish. He wanted to make sure that no one could, like... No one could uh no one could make the world so turbulent again type deal. But no, he was gonna he was gonna throw you guys into the bus and, and uh and kill you after you uh after he had took the power to get his son back.
2: I do got one question. Uh, yeah. and so, he
1: oh I will say this before you do your question. He is who the crossbow would have worked on.
2: Gotcha. Um, who do you think was most likely to kick the bucket towards the end there? Oh you, for sure. Yeah, I was kind of throwing you, you that threw,
1: It's not that, not that your character was poorly made. You just threw yourself at every opportunity to get hit.
2: <laughs> I was the tankiest at the time.
3: All right, Joe, next campaign. We get a mysterious crossbow bolt. We just shoot everyone with it. That's what I've learned here.
1: Yes, very good, much so. Good luck with that. You know, a GM might break that crossbow bolt if you shoot it at too many things that are isn't supposed to work on. <laughs>
3: Allies, crossbow bolt. <laughs> Second ally, crossbow bolt.
1: You've crossed us for the last time.
2: <laughs> you know, instead of shooting the bolt at people, how about I just go around stabbing everyone with it? Oh, you didn't. First uh, oh, you know,
4: people are going to start, start killing you if you start stabbing them. I mean, people killed them without him stabbing them, so like, nothing new?
2: Yeah, that ghoul really did not like me.
3: Man, it was so hard to hit that
2: Revenant or whatever it was.
4: Yeah, you guys are struggling.
2: Yeah, the dice bot did not like us that day.
4: I don't know. I was doing pretty good at not getting hit by it.
3: Oh, yeah. I I was fine with that. It was just I couldn't freaking hit it, and it was annoying.
2: I mean, it didn't help that I was spouting off religious nonsense sorts of things. That clearly did not like religion. I don't know. I don't think that affected you being bad at rolling dice. No, but that did make me a target.
4: That dice parser is also
0: kind of, uh kind of a jerk.
4: You say that, but I've seen what the dice parser that we're using for like a dragon blooded does, and it's not much better.
0: It is much better.
4: I agree. <laughs> remember, remember
0: that time you one shot Tyler in that, the first round? Uh, that was the second round, sir, and that was Tyler going up against something way hard, way. Way more and the Barnes qualifies finds a nut every now and then let's be honest yeah it, it's like every now and again the pendulum swings in my favor but usually it's pretty fair to both sides or sometimes it swings it to you guys
4: Meh. I've made enough Tyler Madison rolls to believe otherwise but anyways okay what what else do I need to uh, go ahead I'm sorry
3: so why would that crossbow bolt have worked on Barnes like why specifically?
4: Because it was a
1: prophecy, he was the he was the uh, he was the thing that that was meant to stop. I don't have the dwarven lore compiled in my mind, but it was some prophecy, about foreseeing the end times, big on like rune magic and divination, they have like seers and stuff like that. So it's more of an abstract thing. Like you don't know when it's going to be, but it is certainly it's it's a prophecy. You have to figure it out. It's never going to be cut and dry. And that was yeah. the list.
2: Yeah, if I remember correctly, um, Nosek, uh had a prophetic uh, dream about it, and that's why he left his uh, hometown uh, with the crossbar boat. That sounds right.
0: Oh, you know what? I, I have another question for you. Why was everybody going fucking crazy? Um, it was sort of a, a hyped-up version of how
1: uh, you get your happy brain chemicals from the sunlight. Uh, if, if you don't have sun you, ha- you don't have vitamin D and vitamin D controls like certain it, it leads to depression and a whole bunch of other awful mental health problems and that was like the amped up sci- uh, the amped up fantasy version of that like if someone woke up and found out that the sun was just gone it would rock a lot of people's mental states in fact I made a willpower roll for everyone in the town the first session
3: how many people were in the town
1: oh I don't remember. <laughs> It wasn't everyone. It was like an arbitrary number and then the named NPCs.
2: So I got a question for Cody. Was there any chance of um, your character actually making friends with anyone? I don't know what you're talking about.
4: My character was great friends with Pluck. And he was pretty good friends with Traveler. And he was work. So, Shreddam's goal was he was tired of being a machine Like, how do you live life when you're just the perfect killing machine? So that's why I was so depressed, because every time it's like, oh, yeah, I'm making friends. Things are looking optimistic. And they just need me to kill something again. So, like, he was working towards becoming friends with everybody. He's just tired of killing things and then kept having to kill things. Gotcha.
3: You know what? Tyler asked me what my endgame was for Pluck. Pluck. Probably just to go and travel with Stratum and just be like, cool, we fix the town, fix the world, let's go on adventures.
4: Yeah, he'd do that. He would take that over slowly becoming a tree in the woods.
2: I think Norsak's end goal was basically just to fulfill the prophecy and go back to town. Go back to his hometown. Like, wasn't much There wasn't much to the character. It was a very simple character. But I made it that way so that way um, it it was to help me understand the system more and not overdo myself.
4: That's why you kept fucking getting hit. You made a character who was 12 days from retirement. (laughs) I almost finished my comic book collection.
3: (laughs) I was 12 days from retirement. They already planted cake and everything. Oh, what a way to go.
2: Oh, Lordy, <laughs> I will say if we ever do play this game again I'll probably end up making a very very silly character
3: my backup because I didn't roll anything for pluck and you guys rolled all your random stuff my backup character was completely rolled except for one that I re-rolled because I didn't like I didn't feel comfortable RPing a part of it
4: I will say I did love rolling most of everything.
2: That was really fun. Just the randomness of it. I enjoyed it
0: uh, mostly because I didn't come in here with an idea of what character that I wanted to play. But I figured like that if I had an idea of what character that I wanted to play, I wouldn't do it. Like if I want to come in and be like, yo, I got the best idea for a character. I'll, fuck, fuck rolling for him. But like, if I don't like, yeah, sure. I'll like that. That I kind of love random, like having random character generator stuff in tabletop games. If I'm being honest,
2: I do love the fact that it is completely optional to roll for it. Like if you, if Brendan actually had the uh, character idea, he could have full gone with it, or what we did was roll.
3: I I built Pluck because I had some concepts in mind of what would be interesting, and then I just. I felt more comfortable playing in something if I had control over what I was playing.
1: There are also a couple side, side stories that I could have delved more into. Had you guys liked them? Like the the crew of the, uh, of the rambling turn was a whole thing I could have done more with. Um, there was a, there was a temple in town that I had an idea for. that never got looked into. Uh, winter was going to come and that was going like the problems of not being able to grow food in winter. Uh, we're going to be something you'd have to, you'd have to, you'd have to frost punk it, so to speak.
3: Well, we couldn't already grow stuff because there wasn't a sun, so it's just more escalating it.
1: Right. But, like, not, no sun in summer is, no, is different than no sun in the middle of winter where everything's freezing.
3: That's fair.
4: That's what it is. I think if I ever get life uh, taken care of think I might want to run a punk apocalyptic game.
3: I'd be down.
0: So are there any of those uh, side stories that I guess that you wish that we had gotten to uh, Tyler? Any like uh, any any cool stuff you want to share with people since we won't get to do it or do you want to like hold that close to your chest for no, the next game you run?
1: No. Um, I was really just gonna I, I was torn between diving more into the stories of the townspeople or um or, like, having you guys hop town. Uh, I was going to have uh, the thought crossed my mind to have you guys try to, like, talk to the town over for support. I Now, I didn't super, I didn't have all that super planned out because I wanted to know what you guys wanted to do. I wrote content for the things you guys seemed to like. I had one in mind that was going to happen if it came around to winter. Where uh, I was going to gut check you guys a little bit uh, with a family, with kids who were starving as you were traveling. And they were going to ask you for help. And I want to just see what you are going to do with that. Um, because the end of that was going to be the uh, the parents were not parents. They kidnapped the kid and were using the kid as, uh, as a tactic to get food and like be accepted. Uh, the kid was actually a kid, though. Um, like an actual victim. And I was going to see if you're going to just eat the baby off the cliff. Or uh, trust them all and get stabbed in your sleep. Or uh, it was going to be an interesting social
2: combat. I got one question about one side quest. The person leaving random gifts in people's homes. What was that all about?
3: I'm so mad. I wanted to do that one so bad.
2: It was Santa Claus. We were going to have to go up against Santa Claus.
1: Uh, sir, Krampus is a demon in the game.
2: Oh, fun.
3: Yeah, I heard about that encounter and the other one that you played in.
1: Um, he actually made like a demon... Uh, the one I was using is actually like a mythical creature. That's like a little tiny dude. Uh and he's fine if you get along with him. But if uh if you ever try to like attack him or anything, uh he grows five size categories every time he's damaged. He starts as a size zero. Holy shit. Yeah, he can go up to size ten. Big boy. Uh size ten is like the size of a mountain, just so you know. Well so, he bas-
3: so he basically would crush the town.
1: A lot of uh a lot of um, my gameplay and design for this is about, like, it's a little cloak and daggery. Uh, it's, you have to strike a balance between believing in the good of humanity and not trusting people too much. And that's a fine line to walk. Specifically how I was running it, it was.
3: So how many more sessions do you think you had planned in the grand scheme of things?
1: Uh, what level were you guys when I stopped? i want to say four. Yes. Uh, six. Exactly Six. Because every every session is a level up, and the game is designed to be played until level 10, and then that's it.
3: Okay, I don't know if you were sticking to the normal setup for that or not.
1: Very much
4: so.
3: Now, if the story didn't conclude itself in those 10 sessions, how would you have worked that? Or if it had concluded before the 10 sessions?
1: Um, it was paced pretty carefully so that it would be right around then. Uh, if it was one session before one session after, I wouldn't have been too miffed. But um, it was pretty closely monitored. It was going to ramp up um, and uh, kind of, like, I don't like shepherding my players, but I was kind of, like, funneling you guys towards the goal. The goal that was ultimately decided by you guys, to be fair. Um, I don't like writing the entire story before we start. I like your your decisions shaped what the goal of the campaign was. All
3: right. I have kind of follow-up questions, I guess. Two. So uh obviously I've I've listened to it with editing and everything like that. And now that you say Barnes was the finest final boss, that makes a lot more sense for how the hell he was just like, "Oh man, there's 40-50 like zombies just coming all towards us after we took them off of this tree and he just boops them all so they're not moving anymore."
1: Yeah? That was a bit of a nudge. There were a couple nudges towards him being not exactly uh, altruistic. The uh, the gravitas of the prophecies were pretty heavy. Uh, there was going to be some 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 uh, some manipulation going on with his conversations, if we had continued. Instantly killing all the zombies. The townsfolk all remembering him fondly, but like they couldn't really place why. They just felt bad for him. There were a couple things that were sprinkled in, but it would have ramped up a lot if we had kept going.
3: If we hadn't have gone into the woods to save Barnus and pull him off of the tree, what would have happened?
1: He probably would have died. I would have written the story differently. You guys going to save him solidified him as the final boss. If it wasn't him, I probably would have. Uh, I probably would have made the matriarch, uh, the matron, more of a thing. There probably would have been a lot more aggression towards the town. Um, more of a survival esque thing.
3: So where was the matron?
1: I didn't have that exact location. Basically, you had to fight through a wave of undead to get to her, pretty much. In a wave, and a lot of the game too is going to be a little bit of a psychological thing, because the darkness was going to get worse, and you have to weigh the benefits of lighting a torch so you don't trip and hurt yourself or live in constant darkness. But then you have a torch lit in complete darkness when everyone else is just skulking around. It was a bit of a darkest dungeon esque survival situation to get there. Um, with lots of like stuff hidden around and bad things to stumble upon and just the struggle of survival in a world where people have lost all faith in humanity. You know?
0: Sounds like some people should have taken dark sight.
3: Yeah. Be born with that Fay heritage.
4: I wasn't born, I was created. And I wasn't created to see in the darkness.
1: I hadn't decided who was going to be Shreddham's creator. But I had that plot point in mind. But I wanted it to be really mean. I feel like I bullied Cody the most throughout this
0: game. I don't feel like you did. I feel like you bullied uh, Joe the most. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
4: I definitely. I not
0: bullied Joe it. with combat, but that's not that's not act that's that's just physical pain.
1: That's nothing. To be fair, I did ask for a lot with how much Oh man, Joe got hit for 50 HP. Wowee. Versus hey. I made Brendan cry in real life because I made his old man friend be mean. <laughs> That's really what I wanted.
0: Yeah. you. I, I don't know that you're going to make me cry in real life because like I can I can turn on the emotions and then I can just go, oh, cool. I'm done playing my character. So like, you know, because acting.
1: Oh, well, yeah. Cry was the wrong word. But, you know, like the emotions of this game should touch you. It should be impactful and have meaning. That's what is memorable for me. It's not, oh man, that guy got hit really hard.
4: Yeah, no problem. Yeah, that, um, that makes sense.
1: As, from an out-of-character standpoint, uh, this is my first game of GM for you guys. Uh, what do you think I do well as a GM, and what do you think I don't do well? I want some feedback after having, what, a, a couple months of me GMing you?
2: I loved how much thought you put into the game. And how much of the how much role play element was there? Like it really put when I was playing it, kind of put me into the scene more than other games I played.
3: The uh, descriptions and kind of the ambiance was really good. I, uh, I
1: wanted this game to be heavy, and I think I pulled that off well.
3: something that listening listening back on it, there's a lot of instances where somebody will say something and you'll sound like you're replying to them very shortly. Um, almost as if you're kinda like irritated. Oh. Maybe something just to bear in mind.
1: It may just be my my uh my cadence of talking. I, I never was, I promise.
4: I'd say you definitely got an A plus on the psychological warfare. Uh if I had any critique, there were some points where it felt like like towards the end of combat it felt sort of like okay we need to wrap this thing up so they just died but like we were also on a time crunch so like you didn't want combat going into 2 o'clock in the morning right
1: and you can only be so descriptive with you hit the guy real good you know eventually the uh, the patina of combat kind of wears off you know just kind of want the dude to die and I kind of wanted to not speed along but like streamline it you know
3: I think we also hit something very similar to that, uh, when we did exalted versus world of darkness with the very final battle, it was like, there's only so many ways I could describe, you know, me shooting a gun.
0: Well, yeah, but also like, uh, it, that and this are not giving you actual noticeable bonuses for continuing to use flowery language, like actual exalted gives you. And also like that. And, uh, this, at least for the final battles of those, like, like in Exalted, like it's fine because like what the longest combat that we've had so far was four rounds, maybe?
1: Yeah. And a lot of it too was there wasn't a lot of like like damage is very visceral in this game. Death can happen pretty quick. But there was a lot of like misses towards a lot of the fights that were that you're referencing, I feel. There were a lot of like, hey, you did one damage or yeah, you missed, missed again, and then the boss missed, and another miss. And those aren't terribly compelling you know. Oh, yeah, for sure. What uh, what did you think, Brendan? You haven't gotten your feedback yet.
0: I thought that you did great with the ambiance and description. Uh, there's a real palpable sense of, like, dread uh, in the, like, second and third episode as soon as it, like, shit starts going off. Uh, and it just kind of, like, it, it mellows out a little bit for the rest of the episodes until, like, they need to hit a crescendo. But go... But, like, that first episode, before things pop off, there's, like, it's a pretty normal town. But then as soon as it, like, shit starts popping off, like, there is always a, uh, a sense of dread that is, I, that, like, there's a perpetual, like, the dread meter is always at a four when it should be at a zero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, besides that, I think you did great with character voices.
1: Thank you. I'm very self-conscious about my character voices. Oh, yeah, you're really good
2: at them. Yeah, I loved all the uh, voices you did. Especially uh, Pop, not Pop, the bartender, I forgot his name already. Bonk. Bonk, yeah, Bonk was probably one of my favorite voices of the game.
1: I feel like I have, like, five voices that I just, like, recycle for everything, and that doesn't feel very
0: thorough. But thank you, I appreciate it. I mean, five voices is still four more voices than most people use. Yeah. Um as far as any like uh I guess critiques or anything that I could make as like a fellow GM to uh, another one um I'm honestly not sure like like I want I want to give you good feedback but like I really can't think of anything that like I would have done differently to like improve on it like well thank you You know what I have one thing I think that the only thing that I probably would have done uh, the only thing that I probably would have done differently, and maybe this is just my like GMing style, is I would have had the entire first session, uh, like that first story where, when we went from zero to one and everything, I would have had the entire first session, like the entire three hours, just be getting to know the town. Like, basically giving, like, everyone, like, an Act 1, get to know the town, like, really in-depth-wise, like, have a few days of that, and then end Act 1, or end Session 1 on the sun going down and screaming, and then we have to come back to it next week.
3: See, I could agree to that, except for the fact that that would be three episodes of just getting to know the town.
1: And keep in mind, also, that that would have had you guys doing combat with no class. Because I couldn't realistically justify giving you a level for just chit-chatting and not getting any combat experience.
0: No, no. What I'm saying is that uh, you divide uh, Session 1 essentially into two nights. Ah, I see. And you could have, like, uh, done, like, little bits of combat here and there. But I, I think that, like, so long as you kept it interesting going forward, I think that that would work. And, like... You know, you don't always have to wrap up a story in uh, three episodes on the podcast, or we could have, like, had it go a little bit longer or something, you know?
3: Yeah, I I know. It just, the theme was a session pretty much worked for three episodes. That's the only reason I made that comment.
0: Yeah,
4: yeah, I get you. And that would definitely, like, that would have worked better with the way we're doing episodes now, where, like, it could have been three hours of getting to know the town, and then Christina could have edited it in two episodes as like flashbacks, like you kind of did for towards the end of uh, Exalted versus World of Darkness. But when we first started Shadow of the Demon Lord, where it was like, "All right, here's the episode." Now Christina has to edit it to put it straight out. Like we didn't with the way we're doing it now, where it's finished the campaign and then put episodes out, like, that could have definitely worked. I don't know if any of that made sense, but it did in my head.
3: No, I get what you're saying.
4: Yeah, I understand. Yeah. But with that being said, Tyler, you've asked us what our favorite things were. What was your favorite encounter that you put us through?
1: Honestly, I love the first session. I love the tone that I established right out of the gate and was able to maintain. And that started with the first session. Uh, I thought the city burning and all that crazy shit uh, was very good. I was very proud of that. And I was proud of the speech that I had for Barnes in that episode. That was my biggest moment for Jamie. I put like I, had to, I wrote that that day at work and loved the shit out of it. And I thought it hit exactly the nail of what I was trying to hit.
2: Follow-up question. What were some of your favorite uh, character moments?
1: Uh, travel being a fashionable hubbo was certainly up there. Uh, that was pretty funny. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll have a favorite, favorite moment for each character. Why not? Shreddam had a lot of really, really funny moments. But I think... I hate to keep referencing episode one. I season session one. But you were never good enough to be uh, Isla Beth's suitors anyway. Caught me very off guard, and I cackled at. That was so funny. I loved that. You got so connected so quick. No matter how much you tried to not.
3: I liked the uh, blacksmith putting the coin on his shield.
1: Yeah, Wapunai, Southern Petty. That was a good one. I loved how Pluck became the captain of the team out of nowhere, and everyone just accepted it. Pretty funny.
2: Well, who's uh, going to say no to Pluck?
1: Yeah, she'll, she'll gut you, dude. I I won't lie. Originally, I thought Nosec Oryx's By My Ancestors bit was a bit contrived, but I grew to love it. It became so iconic.
2: <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. I... I did felt that it, at the beginning it might have been too generic. but Your,
1: your character grew a lot as we played. I, I, I could see you become not so nervous to play your character as we moved on.
2: Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite moments for Traveler was by far his soapbox performance.
1: Those were hilarious. Both of them were so funny.
3: I liked being able because, so for for like a little peek behind the scenes of trying to edit this, I was like, man, I have, like, so many horror things to use for music on here. And when I say so many, I have, like, I think, like, 15 or 20. So it seems like a lot, but when you have to do episodes and you're trying to not play the same music for, like, 15, 20 minutes of it, it kind of uh, of makes it a little hard, so it's not super repetitive. With uh, Traveler just being ridiculous, I was able to slide in some more comedic music to do some levity, which was kind of nice. So it's like really serious, intense music or like kind of this neutral music for downtime. And all of a sudden you just get this bells and whistles and weird stuff. Music and it's like, what is gonna oh, it's Traveler. Okay, this makes sense now.
2: Yeah. I, I think uh one of my favorite moments with uh Pluck was her just her and Treadum when it came to um pretty much anything. Y'all two were like peas in a pod, really. Well, yeah.
4: Shredham was a piece of military equipment, and Pluck decided that they were going to be the military leader.
3: I, uh, I don't remember the specific of it, but, oh, I remember now. Uh, we had gone into, it was, I think, episode seven. We had gone into the woods, and we all thought it was just horrible darkness that only Traveler and Pluck could see, and because of Fae ancestry and Dark Sight stuff. And Pluck looking up to Marshall, uh, not Marshall, yeah, but looking up to Marshall, I was like, do you basically be asking if she needed to hold his hand to help him through it? I thought it was really cute.
2: It's just a fun moment.
1: I really love this game, and I wish I could have finished it. It just got to be a little bit too much. I appreciate you guys playing with me, though.
2: We could always play a uh, another version of, another campaign of it uh, later on once everything's calmed down and we could all get together again.
1: Yeah, we'll figure it out.
2: I gotta say, Shadows of the Demon Lord was by far, out of any campaign I've played really, by far one of my favorites. And so many fun moments in there. Thank you.
3: I really like the system with the D20s and the Boons and Banes. Like, I really like that.
2: So do I. It's so
0: simple. It's like so easy to to get people uh in on it. Like there there are very few systems I can think of that are simpler than it. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see.
1: Uh I'm loving I'm loving the shit out of uh like a Dragon blooded. So I'm happy that's going good. And uh there's been some talks between us of like other games coming up. So we'll see what happens, right?
3: Yeah, we'll have to see if I can uh convince myself to run some stuff.
0: I'll have to crack open the old Shadowrun book. Blades in the Dark, Christina. That or run, uh, run Exalted for me.
1: You just, uh, you just want
3: to play in Exalted so bad, Brendan. I think I, you, I
0: think
1: I think Christina should run Shadow of the Dane Lord. I think she'd do a bang up job at that game.
3: I wouldn't pull any punches in it, just so you know.
4: I didn't either. I don't know. I'm sort of afraid of that game because I know Christina knows how it ticked way too well. Yeah, she'd be meaner to you than I was, and I don't think I was nice to you.
3: It's not like I would give you this lifelong friend or anything, and then just slowly you get to watch them go away from your life or anything like that. Nothing nothing
1: weird. Yeah, I should have made the final boss Shredem's best friend. Not, uh... Not, um... Not travelers. That would have been the real kick in the nards. So you're gonna make it pluck, then? I'm pretty sure if I had DMed Christina, be like, "Hey, dude, you want to be the you want to be the final boss." At the very beginning, her part of the epithet that Bias did was like being like the heralder of doom.
3: I was the matron all along.
4: Also, that would totally make sense for her not being there while the town was burning down. Yeah, uh,
1: like if I had messaged you, Christina, be like, "Hey, dude, you want to be the final boss? These goons fight. Would you have done it?"
3: Uh maybe.
1: Or if I had been like, hey, I want you to be the final boss, will you do it? I'm pretty sure you would have done it. You would have killed them all. I
3: would have been like, I probably would have, just because that would be an interesting thing. It would be weird, but interesting at the same time. The cruelest Um, cut. I was going to say, you could have just brought back a certain little girl who got murdered by the hands of her father to be the final boss.
4: Nah,
1: that would have been too contrived. Too, uh, too cliche.
0: Yeah, but, like, I feel like that Christina would have had to know by, like, by the time we got to level five about that uh, decision so that that she could actually start, like, dropping hints and stuff. Because, like, if she just, like, turned around and went, it was me all along, I would have been, like, roll eyes, really? Yeah, that would have probably happened if
1: if the thing with Barnus didn't happen. That would have probably been my next choice.
2: That would have been honestly scary, Pluck being the final boss, because the amount of psychological damage you could do to each of the characters.
1: Yes, yes. Me weaponizing the psychological damage of my significant
4: other. Perfect. I don't know. Marshall would have been all right, because he would have just traded sides. Even better. Yes, (laughs) I am a machine made for killing. That is all I am good for. I see that now. I follow your lead commander, Pluck.
3: It's, yeah. it's okay, Marshall. Once we're done with this, you don't have to kill anymore. I'll just turn you off.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: done deal. Done deal. That would have been real, real bad. Poor
1: and it would have been perfect because no one would have been the bad guy. You'd all be douchebags. <laughs> Why, Pluck?
3: Why'd you turn against us? Because you stole my favorite bone and never gave it back.
0: Yeah, but you guys know how that uh, how the dice how that how that dice parser really tends to like me right when that the final boss uh, shows up.
1: Oh, yeah, really. and, and level level ten casters and Shadow of the Doom Lord are really wicked
0: too. Oh, that's a good question. What school of magic were you going to focus on, Brenda? I was going to focus on uh, enchanting and shadow. Ooh.
3: I was debating picking up magic. I just wasn't sure what I was going to do. I think I was looking into doing something uh, fae aligned just so I could just give the old middle finger. Because Pluck was really against uh, the fae, because, you know, goblins were kind of outcasts. So it was just like, alright, cool, screw you guys, and screw everything you are. I'm gonna pick up your magic and do it better than you and use it against you, because screw you.
4: I think I was gonna wind up going beast and nature. I remember
2: right i'm not sure there are so many good uh life life spells and runic spells in there
0: yeah there were some spicy ones for sure what do you think that uh about wraps it up is there anything else you wanted to talk about i think i reckon i'm uh, i'm satisfied
1: if you guys are i
3: feel like i have more to ask but i think we've gone over anything that's pertinent that I think listeners should know about. I mean, we got
1: some time. Fire away.
3: I, I'm just trying to think. I feel like there's some more I want to ask, but I can't think of it right now.
1: Well, you know, after this podcast, uh, my, my voice is lost forever, and I'll never talk about this game again. So uh, you can ask me whenever, <laughs> if, if, if anything comes to you.
0: Is there anything else we wanted to talk about, like podcasting wise? Did you guys want me to, I guess, let you all know what the schedule going forward is? I think that'd probably be pretty good since I know that we're doing a little bit of changes going forward.
1: Yeah. Do we want to take a second and talk about uh, the updates to the podcast? Things that that might potentially be happening? Any, Any spicy news, Brendan?
3: Well, one thing I do want to say is just a lot of people are moving around lately. And so things are a little jumbled, so I hope everybody bears with us with some things maybe not coming out quite on time or something like that.
1: Yeah, we got a lot of cooking in the pot right now, guys. But uh, it's going to be pretty good,
0: I think. So as far as the schedule goes, um, I know that with Christina and Tyler moving, uh, we're not going to get any releases from Christina for a little bit until she settles into the new job and the new place and everything. Uh, But the plan going forward is that uh, when Christina has an episode ready, we'll actually be releasing it uh, sometime during the week. I was thinking like Tuesdays or Wednesdays. And then I'm going to keep with the regular Friday release.
3: We'll have uh, some consistency with the Fridays and basically the two I'm thinking probably Tuesday might be my day, but I guess it'll just really depend on it doesn't really matter one of those two probably. Uh, mine are just kind of here's some bonus content,
0: <laughs> right? And we can always uh, do fun, like talk stuff like this uh, every now and again. I know that I've actually gotten a request from uh, I've actually gotten a, a request from uh, from someone online to do another uh, questions and answers uh, thing for it with at least uh, with at least Christina uh, present uh, and maybe Britt if we can about uh, stuff that happened in the old old Exalted game.
3: Ooh, we actually have people send questions in for that. That's great.
0: Um, as far as uh my, my schedule stuff, my scheduled stuff coming out is going to be. Um, I'm going to be releasing uh fellowship in uh fellowship in this spot. Next week we're gonna be uh releasing the session zero that I recorded uh few weeks back with the group that i'm running with for them and then after fellowship i'm going to release uh like a dragon blooded uh my plan for this uh hopefully is that we're going to do i'm going to do a game and i'm going to do a whole act of the exalted campaign that we're currently running and then we're going to do a game like a shorter game and then the next act. And I've planned like a dragon blooded to be a four act game.
3: Oh, that's what I was going to mention. So, uh, for my random days, I'm trying to finish up the last session of my goblins game that we started like a year ago or whatever it was. So that will be released. That'll probably be about like maybe 12 episodes, give or take. And then, um, maybe I can get D D going. like, my side campaign, but something I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be testing out game systems probably and running like very small little campaigns that I can put on my my days.
1: And I know I, I mentioned this in passing the other day, but once I get once all the stuff for uh, Exalted gets gets cooked out and uh, we do all that, I'm looking at a uh, looking at maybe trying to do a small thing with Shadowrun if anyone's interested. I know a couple of you responded back. I know Brendan has a lot going on right now.
0: That is uh, like for me, like that's just going to depend on like the the games that I'm running. Once it once that I can get a game like if I can either not be in a game or not run a game for a little bit, like I'll have the energy to like play or whatever. And we do also got to figure out like a schedule for that because. Yeah,
1: just don't get uh, it. It's going to take me a, a minute to get acclimated to my because it'll be like after my clinicals get cooking. And I get to like used to that. So it probably won't be until like early twenty twenty two at the earliest. Or maybe like late twenty twenty one, but around there. But we got a little bit of time. And I don't want you to get burnt out because you, you do a lot.
0: You say that, but I feel like I don't do enough. Bruh. That's how
3: I feel all the time. <laughs> but you do a lot, Brendan. Like you're running what, three games at this point, I think, and you're in another one. And then like kind of in another one that runs when you're not running one of them.
0: Let's see. So I'm in, I'm running two exalted games, the like a dragon blooded. And then, uh, um, and then I'm also running a fellowship. I think I'm going to call that capital fellowship, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I got a ship.
3: Well,
0: it's, it's them fighting against the forces of capitalism.
3: I know capital. I
0: love it. Comradeship. (laughs) You mean our fellowship. Battleship. There.
3: That's that's the that's the name of the campaign. Our Fellowship.
0: And then in and then I've got the D and D game that I'm in. I've got Christina's D and D game, which she runs whenever that we take a break from Exalted. And then whenever Boathammers around, I'm in that. Like,
1: I feel like that is yet another game that I've killed by my
0: lack of planning. I mean it. It happens like. Have it can only happen so on. many
1: times before I turn into a piece of shit. After the third Taken film, you just think he's a bad father.
3: Oh my gosh! There's a third Taken film. Yes. Is it still his daughter?
1: Uh, no, it's his wife. She gets killed.
3: I feel like that was a spoiler, but still, at a certain it's, it's point. like the
1: entire premise of the movie. It's not a spoiler. It's like in the opening scene, in the in the preview.
0: Yeah, she gets taken to heaven, so now Liam Neeson's going to go fight God. I she buy gets that.
1: taken six feet under.
3: I buy Liam Neeson fighting God. I buy that entirely.
1: No, like, he his wife died, and he gets framed for it, and now his, his daughter is the action hero. It's kind of dumb. The first one was the only one that was moderately decent. Anyway, Liam Neeson, if you like podcasts, and for some reason watching us, uh, I love your work, but not that one.
3: Good catch. But anyways, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do we have any other questions or anything else?
0: Well, uh, Christina, what do you have uh, in your pipeline? I know you said goblins and then the other D&D. Is there anything else you're looking to run?
3: Is that a very push me off the cliff to try and get me run Blades in the Dark?
0: Either Blades in the Dark or Godbound or Exalted or... So cheeky.
3: Uh, okay. So some stuff that I have looked at potentially running. Yes. I I have looked at Godbound because it's very easy to run and I have ideas for that. Um, I have Call of Cthulhu, which, and I have a concept for that. If I were to run it, um, Blades in the Dark, I've been looking at a little bit and it's a very simple D6 system. So there are some stuff that I'm looking at running. I've even thought about maybe taking a stab at Shadow of the Demon Lord, but probably not 10 sessions worth of it. I'm not sure yet. Uh, So I've got ideas, but like I said, our main D&D campaign, I hate to say it, but I have no idea if we're ever going to be able to get back to that. So I can run some small D&D stuff in that world. Um, I can run other systems and we can review those. And I can run a couple different sessions, maybe like four or five of those, that way it's not a super long drawn out story, but it still gives people something to listen to. So I'm thinking about just doing some short little things. Okay.
0: Yeah. That sounds rad. I just figured that we should definitely put that, put like the, the change of stuff that's going on at the end of the episode.
3: Yeah. And I mean, if anybody listens to this and they're like, Hey, we have this really interesting system that you may, you know, want to run in like, man, I even looked at my little pony game just, just for giggles to see, you know, cause I, if I ran a My Little Pony game, I have a feeling people would want to play in it. Don't ask me. I just know my friends, and they would probably run in that just for the fun of it.
0: Change it from My Little Pony to Centaur World, and you got yourself a deal.
3: I mean, that wouldn't be too hard to do.
2: Also, uh, no. Honestly, yeah, it sounds interesting enough.
3: See, I got one person. Cody.
2: God, I'm still thinking.
1: My friendships are already magical.
0: I don't need that. I don't need that to be reinforced. Oh, you know what, Elsie? You could run Christina? You could run Fellowship.
3: Oh yeah, I forgot that. That was also on the can. But don't you want to play a, pon- a pony that has to go and get a magical item, bring color back into the world?
0: And not as much as I want to play Fellowship.
3: Uh, but yeah, Fellowship is on my mind. I've looked at a lot of different things. Uh, just stuff that I could run. Something that's not super expansive and. I, I love telling a nice long story with intricate stuff woven into it, but it's just, ha- as history has already proven very quickly, it is just not conducive. So small things seem to be working well.
0: I, ha- I have feelings about this that are not what you've just said, but we can, not- we can have that not be recorded.
3: Okay, long campaigns seem to run very well for you. They have not run well for me in the
0: past. For a Paradise Lost Podcasting, I guess that that should do it for everyone. Um, this is your
1: final boon, listeners. Have it for the rest of your life. That was ominous. I love it. It was one. ominous, but also encouraging. That's exactly what I hope to that what I wanted for this game and I want to end it on.
3: You get one boon once in your life. May, Use it, can- it, well. may it
1: cancel out your worst bane.